Hey, this is Dr. Patty Sadala. Welcome to my Experience Jesus podcast. In today's how-to and identity episode, we will look at what it would take to walk with God one day at a time and explore the name of God, Emmanuel, the God who is with us. This was the name Isaiah used to describe the Messiah, the promised one in the Old Testament who would come to be our Savior, whom we now know is Jesus. We will look practically at how to abide in Christ and allow him to walk with you one day at a time. O come, O come, Emmanuel. This Christmas song is our typical association with this name of God. We see the wondrous miracle that God sent his beloved son as a helpless baby to live a sinless life. Jesus became the perfect sacrifice for us so that we could draw near to the Father. Since this song is most people's association with the name of God, most people limit the meaning of this name to think that it's really just about Jesus as a newborn baby. But this name means so much more about what the relationship that the Lord is really wanting us to have with him on a daily basis. The name Emmanuel means God with us. God always was, is, and always will be with us. This is God's omnipresence, his self-existing, outside of time and space, nature and character. In our natural world, this is hard for us to comprehend. Everything that has ever happened or will happen has already happened for God, every moment of your life, including your future. This is true whether a person accepts Christ as their Savior or not. God knowing what we will do does not mean that we are puppets being controlled by him. He has given us all free will, which is why there is so much mess in the world. But he has taken no one captive. People must come to him willingly. He knows what you're going to do only because he's seen you do it. That's why there could be 354 fulfilled prophecies about Jesus. It's because he saw them happen already. You can trust that the Bible promises will come true. The interesting thing about the truth of God's omnipresence is that he can be more there at certain times than others. God is more there for you when you are fixing your eyes on him. By far the most common way to think of the name Emmanuel is associated with Jesus coming to earth as a human and living among us for 33 years. Jesus lived to show us how to bring the life of the truths of the Bible to us and to bring us back to the Father and to conquer sin and death and bring us into eternal life now and in heaven. He showed us how to live totally tuned to the Holy Spirit because we are adopted children of the King of Kings and citizens of heaven. When Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to dwell on our hearts, his capability multiplied by millions fold. This is explained in John 14, 12. I assure you and most solemnly say to you, anyone who believes in me as Savior will also do the things that I do, and he will do even greater things than these, in extent and in outreach, because I am going to the Father. He is not saying that because you are a believer, you are better than him. He's saying that he has multiplied in the hearts of believers so that all of us can be releasing him in the world. When he was a man... He was limited by the geography of his physical body. Now, he is in all believers all over the world. Emmanuel is the name of God that describes how Jesus walks with you every single day through the Holy Spirit, showing you how to live totally tuned to the Father, naturally, supernaturally, 
so you can release God's love and kingdom purposes into the world for which you have an influence. This is the most critical aspect of the name of Emmanuel for you to understand. Let's break it down between the two concepts of justification and sanctification. When you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you were saved and reborn into the family of God. This justified you, which means that it sealed you for eternity. Justifying means that your accepting Christ met the standard to be considered righteous in God's eyes. This is because the Father sees you covered by the perfection of Jesus' sacrifice. You are now adopted into Jesus' family. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. That is, in him I have shared his crucifixion. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith, by adhering to, relying on, and completely trusting in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. Justification by salvation is a one-time deal. You can't screw it up and lose your salvation. You are sealed for all time. 2 Corinthians 1, 21 and 22 says, Now it is God who establishes and confirms us in joint fellowship with you in Christ and who has anointed us, empowering us with the gifts of the Spirit. It is he who has put his seal on us. That is, he has appropriated us and certified us as his and has given us the Holy Spirit in our hearts as a pledge, like a security deposit to guarantee the fulfillment of his promise of eternal life. But you were never meant to leave it at just salvation and justification. Walking out the truths and realities of that new relationship and positioning is called sanctification. Your part of the deal is to cooperate with the indwelling Holy Spirit and align yourself with God's best plans for you. This is a one day at a time job of surrendering to God's very best by abiding in Christ. John 15, 4 and 5 says, Remain in me, and I will remain in you. Just as no branch can bear fruit by itself without remaining in the vine, neither can you bear fruit producing evidence of your faith unless you remain in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him bear much fruit. For otherwise, apart from me, that is cut off from the vital union with me, you can do nothing. The truth of this reality is crucial to whether you will live a life of bondage or freedom. In Romans 7, Paul rants about how he wants to do the right thing, but always seems to be doing the wrong thing. He tries and he tries and he just can't seem to get it together. See all of Romans 7. This is when we don't realize that the truth of our salvation and inheritance of the indwelling Holy Spirit. Yet in Romans 8, Paul teaches us that we have the spirit of the life of Christ Jesus to overcome our issues. Abiding in Christ and surrendering to God are the secrets to victory in all areas. See all of Romans 8. So how do you abide in Christ? I asked the Lord to give me a metaphor to help me understand the principle of abiding. And he said, things plugged into electricity can perform as designed. Those same things unplugged will lay dormant, unable to accomplish what they were created to do. Then the Lord showed me an image of the flux capacitor from the Back to the Future movies. This image reminded me of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit pulsing energy to me and for my need to connect to God for that energy. I looked up the words flux and capacitor. 
Flux means continuous flow, and capacitor means to weigh electrical energy. This is what Jesus had to say about that. See the energy of the flux capacitor? It continually pulses toward the center. You have the privilege of being connected to the energy of the Trinity, God's perfect will and power. Stay plugged in. The source of my power is endless and always available. Always learn to stay plugged into it so you don't miss a single blessing. The more energy you get from me, the more you will reflect me to those I have given you to serve. You were created in my image to reflect me in the world. This is what you can do when you stay connected. You stay plugged in by keeping your eyes fixed on me. When I am in front of mind, you will always include me in things. When you pull away from me, you pull the plug and disconnect from me and my power source. Just like an object that relies on electricity to function, you are dead, impotent in your effectiveness. Don't let this happen because it leaves you vulnerable to the enemy and keeps you from accomplishing what I desire. Always seek me to plug in. Your fruit will reveal whether you are connected or disconnected. The law of the Spirit of Christ Jesus is the energizing power that you sense when you fix your eyes on me. You will receive rhema, that is, my spoken words to you that give you revelation and vision, as long as you stay connected with the Holy Spirit. Remember this metaphor about electricity. The law of the Spirit of Christ Jesus is this electricity. It is your energy for life in me. Staying connected gives you all my strength to live according to my perfect plan for you. When you tune into the flow, you will know my heart and my will. You will have increased clarity of how I want you to serve. I share my heart with you through images, thoughts, feelings, sensations, music, ideas. Let us reason together. Live this life with me. Let's look more deeply at abiding. The synonyms for abiding are to dwell, stay, live, inhabit, settle, reside. When you learn how to abide in Christ, you begin to live naturally supernaturally because this is the life you are created to live. When you stay in a place, live in a place, inhabit a place, it becomes part of who you are. Games have rules that show you how to play so that you can win. The same is true for abiding in Christ. There are four rules that help you effectively abide in Christ. And the rules are welcome the Holy Spirit, fix your eyes on Jesus, become more spirit conscious, and let go of the I mentality. We will look at each one in a second. Abiding leads to an increase of God's anointing. The Bible word for anointing is cryo. It means a smearing of the material presence of God that sticks on you and empowers you to accomplish God's purposes. God's anointings come in many different forms, and we will address them in other podcast episodes. But now let's look at those four rules for effectively abiding in Christ. The first one is to welcome the Holy Spirit. To be welcomed is to be included. When you leave the Holy Spirit behind for most of your day, you're not making him feel very welcome. Remember, he's always there. Involving him in all aspects of your life will help him feel appreciated. Many people believe that God is too busy for little things like your life. This is a limiting lie. God dwells in your heart and always is waiting for you to engage with him. I honestly believe that he gets the most delight when we include him in the smallest of things. It's easy to cry out to God when you're in a crisis, but when you simply thank him that there's a parking spot for you, he's elated. 
The second rule is to fix your eyes on Jesus. Worry is nothing more than fixing your eyes on your problems and not on the truth of who God is in each circumstance and who you are with the authority that you have to connect with God. What you fix your eyes on grows within you. So if you fix your eyes on your fears or negative outcomes, you set in motion that self-fulfilling prophecy. The goal of abiding is to become more aware of where your eyes are fixed and to make sure that they are fixed on Jesus. Looking at your circumstances through your eyes will limit your understanding to present information. When seeing things through the enemy's lens, you will only see negative outcomes. But when you look through the lens of Jesus's eyes, you are able to see things from his omni perspective. Ask the Lord to show you his heart for people or circumstances, and he will shift your perspective to align with his. This is how to find the peace that surpasses understanding. The other really cool thing about fixing your eyes on Jesus is that when you gaze at him, he gazes back at you and his favor flows where his eyes are fixed. We also learned in a previous episode that you change things that you're looking at. We learned about that as um, a quantum physics truth of the observer effect in another episode. The cool thing about you fixing your eyes on Jesus is that as you gaze at him, you cannot help to be transformed. But even cooler than that is when he gazes back at you, he is transformed. Let me say that again. When he looks at you, he's transformed. What does that mean? When he sees you attending to him, looking at him, wanting to be with him, it moves him emotionally to try to do things for you. The third rule is to become more spirit conscious. The more time you spend with someone, the more you have a greater sense of who they are and what you can expect from them. You know who you can trust by the time you spend a little bit of time with them. The same thing is true when abiding with Christ. The more time you spend with God, the more you will know his voice. The more you'll be able to decipher it between your voice and the enemy's voice. So pay attention to the spontaneous thoughts you receive when you're communicating with God. Test them against what you know to be true about God, his nature, his characters, and what the Bible promises. Ask questions like, is this true Or does that sound like God's names, characters, promises, nature, or biblical principles? Or is it too analytical or logical? Am I limiting my thoughts to this natural world? The more time you spend with God, the more discernment you will have about what voice you're actually hearing. The last rule for effective abiding is to let go of the I mentality. One day I asked the Lord to shed light on the most essential part of understanding the abiding relationship with him, And this is what he said. You can't have it both ways. You can't have the fullness of me and hold on to the selfishness of you. If you keep me as your focus, the emphasis always, then you will remain in me. Whenever your focus shifts back to you, it's a red flag that you are off track. If you feel yourself thinking or saying, I'm trying, then you know you're not resting in me. This lesson of focusing on me is so critical to the abundant Christian life. Learn how to catch your self-mode and redirect your focus back on me. Remember, it is a process. This is countercultural, so be patient with yourself. You are on the path to living an abiding lifestyle. Once it becomes your natural focus, it's much easier. Your prayers need to continue to change. 
Pray more of God's will be done rather than what you want to see and how you want it done. You'll get there. Since that last one he said was kind of the most important one, let's jump into a little bit more on something that he likes to call the difference between striving and resting. Getting ahead of God and striving were major issues the Lord needed to work on in my own heart. I remember precisely when and how I learned the lessons. Truth at Work is a national ministry that helps people learn how to surrender their businesses to God. I was in a point in my life where I felt I needed to focus my work on God completely. Even though I had over 30 years of experience as an organization development consultant, helping faith-based nonprofits move forward toward visionary goals, I thought that wasn't ministry enough. This meant that I was helping teams and organizations plan for their futures with strategic planning, team development, training facilitation, and coaching. But I wanted a real ministry job. At that time in my life, I didn't realize that God anoints all surrendered work to him. You don't have to have a formal ministry to serve God. When the opportunity for the regional director position for Truth at Work opened for me in Ohio, I was sure this person was for me. After all, it was right up my skill set, and I knew exactly how I would do it. While that two-year season of my life did bring me some lessons and bless those involved, it was hard work. I spent more time struggling to find people to join that service than I did delivering it. It was a painstaking uphill battle. Ray Hilbert, the founder of Truth at Work, kept asking me, Are you absolutely sure that God directed you to this role? The question offended me. After all, it was right up my skill set, and I knew exactly how I would do it. But if I was honest with myself, I assumed the opportunity was mine, and I never asked God about it. Two years into the ministry, I was diagnosed with Lyme's disease. I talked to Ray Hilbert about wanting to take off six months for my healing season, and he released me from the role. He felt like it had been too difficult for me the whole time, and he actually wanted to give me a way out. Within two weeks of my stepping away from that work, the Lord gave me the download assignment to write clips that move mountains. And on some levels, it was easier to surrender to the Lord for this project because I had never written a book before. This book included film clips that I would write about as biblical metaphors for the discipleship journey to the abundant Christian life. I had been writing faith-based, clip-based blog articles for some time for my ministry business, but I had never seen a book with film clips before, and I assumed things that were not necessary that cost me five months of a delay in that project. I assumed that because there were film clips in the book, I would need permission to use them. The Lord would inspire me to write something about a film clip, and then I would ask permission and people would say no. The truth is, God never told me I needed to request permission. One day in frustration, I was crying out and the Lord said, If I inspire you to write about a film clip, write about it. I never told you that permission was necessary. Just write the book. So I wrote the book. The Lord directed me to send the draft of the completed book to the film clip companies represented in it. He wanted me to make sure that I understood that I was not asking them for permission. It was an opportunity for them to partner with me on this project. I sent the draft and I waited. A short time later, I received a cease and desist threat from Universal Studios and I freaked out. I asked the Lord what I was supposed to do about it. He directed me to a Christian fair use lawyer. 
It turns out that there are five different ways media can be used without permission. Only one way is required to earn a free use status. My book project hit all five. I never needed any permission. My lawyer sent back the fair use law letter to the Universal Studios, and I never heard back from them again. My lessons in that season were, one, God knows everything. Two, his timing is always perfect. Three, things are more of a struggle and take longer if I take matters into my own hands. Four, trusting God is the fastest way to accomplish anything he gives you to do. And five, the quicker you learn to rest and not strive, the more effectively you will accomplish the goals and plans that God has for you. Here's a picture of the level of resting the Lord wants for you. The Lord showed me a rubber ducky in a creek. It was going along the stream quickly, guided by the water. By itself, it had no power without the forces of the river. The river represents the river of living water, which is the Holy Spirit's powerful guidance in your heart. And the Lord asked me, how much power did the rubber ducky contribute to its journey? And I said, none, Lord. He said, this is the level of trust and surrender that I desire for you. I navigate the waters, not you. I know you're concerned about the issues of this life. This is the lesson you must learn in all aspects of your life. Even what you eat and drink, what you do, what you work on, all of your relationships. Don't be tempted to take matters into your own hands. If you want victory in all areas, you need to let me do the driving. There are missed blessings when you shut me out, even if you're doing so unintentionally. But you don't get there by trying any harder. You get there by letting go, taking your hands off the wheel of your life and trusting me with it. I'm the blanket that covers your whole life. It's not like little departments where you have control of some and I have control of others. Control is a myth. I am in control of everything except your free will to cooperate with me. Releasing your notion of control is the secret to resting and not striving. Remember Psalm 4610. Let go. Be still. Cease striving and relax and know that I'm your God. The more you know me, each characteristic of me, the easier it will be for you to live out that verse. Abiding in Christ leads to transformation. The Lord created the heavens and the earth by speaking them into existence, and we are created in his image. When you speak out loud what the Lord has revealed to you when he asks you to, it activates your faith. I found that an increased boldness and anointing came upon me when I began sharing what I was learning with others. Our God is a God of multiplication. James 3.17 says, But the wisdom from above is first pure, morally and spiritually undefiled, then peace-loving, courteous and considerate, gentle, reasonable, and willing to listen, full of compassion and good fruits. It is unwavering without self-righteousness, hypocrisy, or self-serving guile. The courage to speak what the Lord reveals to you takes you to a deeper level of abiding in your relationship with Christ. This boldness not only continues to grow your character, it shows the Lord that you can be trusted with his anointing in greater and greater levels. It really helps to see Jesus in three different ways. We covered this in an episode about how to receive emotional healing with the Comforter, but it bears repeating for this episode. You want to see Jesus in three ways. See Jesus in you, connected inside. See Jesus with you, realizing that you're doing things together. 
And seeing that you are in Jesus, which allows you to release the power of the Holy Spirit. All three of these positions of Jesus are true all the time, 24-7. He is always in you, with you, and you are always in him. But to really understand these truths, it's helpful to actually visualize those truths. Let's begin with seeing Jesus in you. Ephesians 3, 16-17 says, May he grant you out of the rich treasury of his glory to be strengthened and reinforced with mighty power in the inner man by the Holy Spirit, himself indwelling in your innermost being and personality. May Christ through your faith actually dwell, settle down, abide, make his permanent home in your hearts. May you be rooted deep in love and founded securely on love. That you may have the power and be strong to apprehend and grasp With all the saints, God's devoted people, the experience of that love, what is the breadth and length and height and depth of it, that you may really come to know practically through experience for yourself the love of Christ, which far surpasses mere knowledge without experience, that you may be filled through your inner being unto the fullness of God, may have the richest measure of the divine presence and become a body wholly filled and flooded with God himself. This part about knowing and tapping into the inward power and strength of the Holy Spirit to heal you. It is the letting go of striving and trying to fix things on your own, resting in the truth that the power to fix things comes from God. It is his power you are accessing. The second is to see yourself with Christ, realizing that you are doing it together. Romans 8 38 and 39 says, For I am persuaded beyond doubt and am sure that neither life nor death nor angels nor principalities nor things impending and threatening nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Eighteen Bible verses promise that God will never leave or forsake you. The key lesson here is realizing that God is your partner. You and Jesus are a team. He will always be with you. He will never leave or forsake you. So seeing you and Jesus partner together in the process of walking out your daily life, just knowing that he is with you for every challenge, changes your perspective on your circumstances. Visualize God with you, doing everything you need to do each day together. There is power in that. The third way to visualize Jesus is you in Jesus. Romans 13, 14 says, but clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, and make no provision for indulging the flesh. Put a stop to thinking about evil cravings in your physical nature to gratify its desires and lusts. To clothe yourself with the Lord is literally to see yourself in his skin superimpose over you as one so you can see through his eyes, hear with his ears, think his thoughts, feel his feelings. This is the true spiritual positioning of the born-again believer. You are already in him. This is an actual true spiritual reality as part of what was accomplished on the cross by Jesus. The Heavenly Father looks at you and cannot see your sin imperfections. Instead, he sees Jesus' perfection covering you like a garment. Seeing yourself so unified in Christ that you can see through his eyes will immediately reframe your circumstances. 
When you can agree with that reality enough to see it, it has the power to change your mind, to change your actions, your behaviors, and even your body at the cellular level. Here's a story of one time that the Lord really helped me understand this principle personally. One day at our Spirit Life Circle, we had a wonderful discussion about what it meant to be in Christ, and the group spent 15 minutes journaling that question. We wanted the Lord to shed more light on this meaning. I went to the bathroom before I started the journaling exercise at a coffee shop, and there was a full-length mirror in the bathroom. Turning and looking in the mirror, I saw myself, but I also saw Jesus. He was holographically covering me, over me. I could see me, and I could see him. Instantly, I journaled that experience and asked the Lord to help me understand it better. And he said, this vision is the spiritual truth. There is no intervention needed to step into my skin when you realize you already are in my skin. This is the truth of the new man, the life of the Spirit of Christ Jesus, referred to in Romans chapter 8. See yourself with me covering you. We are one all the time. My power, presence, nature, and wisdom are always there. When you focus inward to your heart, you will be able to tap into this truth. Place your palms face up and wiggle your fingers. Do you see my hands as well? Yes, Lord, I see your hands, and your fingers are wiggling with mine. I even see the scars on your wrists. He said, cross your legs. What do you see? I saw my legs crossed over, and then I saw your robed leg crossed over too. And he said, practice this. See me covering you. When you wave your arms, when you take a step, especially when you're challenged, remember this truth that you can step into my skin when you forget this and see and hear and feel and think my thoughts. But if you can start to remember that you already are, then you can always access my thoughts, feelings, and character. This is an essential lesson to learning the abiding lifestyle, especially when you struggle with sin or trials. I have overcome sin and death. In me, you have too. That was such a powerful revelation to me. The Holy Spirit is in your heart. When you release him, you are seeing, hearing, feeling, and thinking as thoughts. The best way that I have found to understand the unity of the Christ identity is to practice seeing yourself as merged into Jesus as one. Becoming aware of that fact can always help you be in his skin more quickly and align you with him. It is much easier to understand by experience than it is to explain it. So, your encountering exercise at the end of this podcast will give you that opportunity to practice it. Increasing your self-awareness that you are in Christ, that Christ is in you, and that you are with Christ will give you a genuine spiritual reality of the truth of who you are in Christ and who he is in you. When you understand these truths, it is much easier for you to agree with his will and his emotions and walk out these truths with him successfully every day. This is the lifestyle of walking with Emmanuel. The last major tip before we have our experience I wanted to share is something called order my day. This is a lesson that the Lord has taught me that has increased my productivity and anointed effectiveness probably more than any other tip that I've ever applied in my Christian life. It is also a specific exercise in activating all the lessons we've talked about in abiding. It's about having the holy habit of having God order your day. I can't remember 
how many times I used to hear the Lord say, me first, me first, me first. I would hear this in my spirit whenever I would get up and go without first spending time with God. I observed that when I did spend the first fruits of my time with God, the day went better. When I left God behind, I would have frustrating days. But when I began thanking and praising God even before my eyes were fully open, it set my heart posture for the entire day. I learned that this focused attention on God was like filling up my spiritual gas tank. I would ask and then see and sense God's guidance and direction more, and my productivity went through the roof. God said, ask me to order your day. I know what you're up against today, so trust me. If I put something on your list to do, do it. If I don't put it on your list, it's not for today. When you only do what I have put on your list and keep an open heart for the surprises for the day, you will remain under my covering and anointing. Each day I spent time with God, praising and worshiping, and then I would sit down to my journal and we would chat about the day. Some days, he would put a lot of things on my list, and I was amazed at the end of the day that I got them all done. In other days, the list was small, and yet I would get calls from people who needed ministry. I never look at those calls as a disruption to my day. It's God's day, and I'm simply living it for him. There is no greater secret to high performance than being under the anointed power of God. Anything you do apart from God's anointing is a dead work. There are people that I've talked to about this order my day assignment, and they still didn't understand that I literally ask God what's on my list and only do what's on my list. Other people would say, well, I'd say order my day, and then they'd go through the day without having a list. And that's not what this is. This is about specifically asking the Lord, what is on your list to do that day and doing that thing? Now, if I only had one thing that he gave me on the list, then I would know that there would be things happen in that day that would cause me to sense that his spirit was directing me for a conversation or an interaction with somebody. So staying connected to the spirit the entire day will also help you to stay in God's anointing. That's what the abiding lifestyle is all about. Okay, so I want to give you the specific instructions for how to have God order your day. Each day, spend the first fruits of your day praising and worshiping with the Lord. Prioritize that time and give him your first attention. Then ask him what he wants you to do today. He will show you the day's priorities. If you think you should be doing something that he has not put on your list, you can ask him why. But trust that he has his reasons for not having that on your list that day if it's not on your list. He knows exactly what you need to do, and he knows when it's important that it gets done. Obey him and do what's on the list and allow for him to surprise you. It's his day, so don't be surprised. At the end of the day, reflect on how your day went. How much did you accomplish? Did you notice more of his anointing presence? When you make this a daily habit, you will learn how incredibly productive you can be when you live the abiding lifestyle. There are quite a lot of things that I have for you related to encountering Emmanuel. Rather than talking through each of these opportunities, I just want to share with you that the links below on pattyej.podbean.com for this episode actually have my guided imagery audios walking you through each of these encounters. 
I'll just explain what each of them are and then you can go ahead and click on the links and do whichever ones, if not all of them, that you want to participate in. There is an exercise that will help you understand how to see yourself in Jesus' skin. The second exercise helps you see him as your covering, like I saw in the full-length mirror. The links will walk you through these two encounters. The third assignment is for you to practice the order my day exercise that I've already laid out for you. See how that works for you and how it affects your productivity and the feeling of anointing. If this is your first podcast experience with us, you may want to go back to the trailer episode and learn about the biblical foundation for dialogue journaling, our process for experiencing Jesus. This leads you through the first special place encounter with Jesus as a child. This is a starting point for all of our experiences with Jesus. For best results, it is always good to properly posture your heart for your experience by welcoming Jesus' presence with praise and thanksgiving and playing with him in the special place as a child for a few minutes before asking for anything from him. I hope today's episode helped you connect with Emmanuel, the God who is with us. And I hope you were able to see how practically to walk one day at a time with him. And I hope you will join us on this podcast adventure. Follow this podcast and forward it to others that you think may be blessed by it. And check out all the links below. They are designed to take you deeper. I thank God for you and bless you in Jesus' name.